My name is Erin Bross, and this is The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Art for this podcast comes from another tree planter, Bethany Davis, as part of her illustration series, Follow the Trees. This is a podcast about tree planting as a reforestation practice in the silviculture industry. Tree planters are a collective of people who spend much of their lives replenishing a logged area with new forest. However, tree planting is so much more than the physical act of planting thousands of seedlings in the ground day after day as a job. It is about the connections, experiences, bonds, and memories that last a lifetime. The dirt is a place to shed light on the culture that is mostly contained within those who have stuck a shovel in the ground. It is meant to dive deep into all things tree planting as a place for those to reminisce, relate, or to learn. So wherever you're coming from, as any tree planter would say, may the planting gods be with you. All right, folks, so um, I recorded this uh, really great intro on my computer, and I don't know, there's like no sound. Um, I have a new laptop, so something funky's going on, I don't know, (laughs) Uh, feels uh, typical for... Some of the starts of 2021, welcome, by the way, to the new year. Um, It feels kind of surreal that we're in the year 2021, Um, at least for me. I don't know about you, but uh, yeah, here we are. Um, Yeah, and I decided to start this year with this particular episode, um, mostly because I've seen some posts kind of last month before the holidays, um, just people... Yeah, posting on like King Kong and some of the other groups um, just about injuries and because it's really like kind of go time right now for decision making for most people on like, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? You know, people are doing a lot of hiring right now. Um, The coast is, is gearing up to start pretty soon next month. And yeah, so it's like in people's minds of like, you know, for some people, like, can I go back like physically? And so I had seen someone post about a back injury that actually sounds really similar to what my buddy Connor had. So I don't remember who you are, but like hopefully you listen to this and hopefully it helps you. Um, And I definitely want to continue to provide resources like this. And, you know, for anyone out there who's had particular injuries um, that they've overcome that they'd like to come on here and share about, um, that'd be awesome. You know, reach out to me, um, give me, shoot me an email um, Aaron at wildywords.ca. Um, you can get me through, um, yeah, like the Facebook page or even on my website there, there's a spot, there's a prompt for my email and whatnot. Email is definitely the best way to reach me these days. Um, but yeah, so basically in this conversation, yeah, I have a good chat, uh, with, um, my buddy Connor and, you know, I've kind of seen him sort of, a little bit before, but then really during and after this back injury that he was struggling with for a couple seasons and has kind of come out the other side of, which, you know, I feel like is super rare. Um, If anything, over the years, you know, I've really seen a lot of people, the main reasons for retiring a lot of the time is just like their body can't do it anymore. Um, And that's definitely a huge, yeah, a huge problem for people, especially if it's something they want to continue doing. Um, yeah, so, you know, I just want to be able to hopefully help some people here who are perhaps struggling right now because they have an injury and they do want to go planting, but they're not really having much luck lately or, or maybe just even haven't done much about it. But now we're wondering like, shit, am I, am I even going to be able to plant, um, you know, in a couple of months? So hopefully this can help you all out 
and I'm sure I said a bunch of other cool stuff on the first recording I did, which I can't remember now, so it's obviously not that important if I can't remember, um, but uh, yeah, so I'll just, I'll get right to the interview here, and just in the show notes, I've basically linked um, the best foam roller in the world, um, in my opinion, and we talk about why, like, this particular, at least style of foam roller is really important that, that you have, and I actually have two of them. I have a regular size one and a travel size one, um, which is really handy. And, you know, even if you're not injured, it's great just for rolling out your muscles and your back and stuff like that. Um, you know, for IT bands, quads, um, you know, the area like whatever it is, like under your shoulders and stuff like all these muscles that really get worked planting. Um, it's just fantastic for I, I use it like on the daily. So, um yeah, so hopefully this helps you out, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for a bunch more episodes coming that are kind of geared towards like, um, yeah, like where people are at or where I'm thinking people are at kind of like mentally this time of year because a lot of people are really trying to make that decision around if they're going or not and stuff like that, so um, yeah, so I'll really be focused on um, some episodes that are going to be geared towards that. And then a couple other ones that I think are really important, um, that are, are coming your way as well this month. So, um, yeah, I also just want to say for new listeners, if you haven't definitely scroll back in the episodes, um, cause there's so many good conversations and there's so much good content. Um, yeah, it's been incredible. Like the conversations I've had. So, Um, Thank you again for listening. Share this if you resonate. And uh, here we go. Connor, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Okay, so obviously I know you really well. Um, The listeners may not. So uh, yeah, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay, so uh, I started planting trees in 2012. So I've been doing it for, well, just finished the ninth year going into the 10th. Uh, I've been crew bossing for yeah, effectively a full season, so I guess something like 60 or 70 days, and planted the rest of it this year. Uh, I guess I got, I don't know, some like 1.1 or 1.2 million trees in the ground. I lost count like seven years ago, like, yeah, a couple hundred days ago, so yeah. Cool. And so um, I don't even know if I know the answer to this. Um, how did you get into tree planting? Um, well, at the time I was going to go to school in, uh, Kelowna and I just needed a couple bucks and I heard it was like the classic hippie experience and I didn't want to be in a suburb in Southern Ontario anymore. Um, so I, yeah, bought a pair of used bags and a used planting shovel, the right-handed, uh, ergo handle with a shortened spoon, uh, from a friend that had worked for Brinkman for a couple seasons. And yeah, I got hired at Haven Brothers and I worked up North for, yeah, for in 2012. It was horrible I and yeah no this idea. was this was in Ontario right just to yes. get the story straight yeah Kakabaka Falls. so sure. yeah you so you were gonna go to school in Kelowna and yet you went to Ontario to plant Let, let's just talk about that quickly yeah <laughs> um I really like at the time again you just have no idea what the conditions are like you can you know write them down on paper people were like oh it's buggy the person that I had bought the bags off of had worked in Ontario previously and they were just like, oh, it's buggy. You'll be fine. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's great. And it was really buggy. And again, like I thought nine cents a tree was good because I have no concept for what that looks like. And, uh, you know, even like 150 bucks when you're 16 or, or sorry, 17 or 18 is great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I didn't have a ton of work experience. 
experience at the time. So um, it was like, oh, I could potentially make more than minimum wage. You know, you hear people making huge money. So I think that was the attraction that became a bit of a gold rush for me. So yeah, I went to Thunder Bay. And yeah, so like what made you decide to go back to Ontario though? Was it just like, that's where a job came up for you? Or like, I know you're from Ontario, so maybe it was a bit of that, but um, yeah, because I mean, you would have been surrounded by the whole like planting Delio at West. So mm-hmm. I- I'm curious about, uh, yeah, I'm curious about that decision. I think the, the reason I went back for my second year was planting was like a lot more of a, as my mom always jokes and laughs at me, it's like a, a dragon to slay more than necessarily a job. So mm-hmm. I, I quit my first year about a week early and that really frustrated me. And I felt like there was something left kind of unanswered and I felt yeah, it just haunted me for a year. So I wanted to go back to the same area in the same conditions and, and remember it a different way. So yeah, so that's what I did. And at the time I went, I was, did my first year, part of it in Kelowna and then part of it at Trent in Peterborough. And I didn't have any other planting okay. contacts outside of the people that I had met for that company. So I was in a bit of a, an echo chamber for what planting was and what planting looked like. Um, so like I thought nine cents tree was just, that was just planting. Like I had no concept of bids, no concept of how com- like company structure what that looked like you know you were surrounded by other kids that were anywhere from 18 to 22 so that's just what people did was they went to work and this is what planting was full stop so in the first two years as well or even your third year when you've only worked at one or two companies you feel like you know what planting is in its totality um so yeah you just go to i think i think i wanted to go somewhere again where i could kind of be proud of myself for seeing it through so that's what i did and i stayed on for a little bit extra and i worked into july and then i got hooked up with a guy i went to school with who was a coast bo- a crew boss at Coast Range, and he hired me because the trees are 12 cents. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how I ended up getting out west from Ontario. And so did you transfer schools then in your first or your second year? Like was First year. Yeah, I did a semester oh, okay. in Kelowna, and I was working part-time, and I had like a full course load, and I lived an hour outside of town. So I went to UBCO and then lived in Winfield, so it's just a little bit north of there. And I was having like, you know, 10, anywhere from 10 to 12 hour days because the bus route was so long from where my apartment was. And yeah, I just really hated it and spent a lot of time in my head. And, and you know me as a pretty social person and I didn't really have a friend group, didn't have like the days were just too exhaustive. I was working as a dishwasher on the side. So yeah, I just, I didn't really like the school experience was very school focused and very work focused. And I was uh, dating someone who was back home in Ontario at the time. So there was a lot of flights home to sort of make that happen. And that's where the work came in was to pay for that. And yeah, I mean, just overall, I had a lot of friends back home. I wasn't building a community in the way that I thought I would. And I was 18 and it just wasn't motivating. So I went back to Trent, which was near my hometown. And a lot of my friends moved from my hometown to Peterborough, which was like the bigger city. So I had a bit more of a friend group there. I was back home with the girl that I was seeing, the girl that I was dating at the time. And those were the motivations. So um, yeah, so I essentially I spent my first year and a half. Okay, so then you were back in Ontario, which is also probably kind of why you got hooked up with planting in Ontario then, eh? That actually, I went planting before I went to university. So I went planting in the summer of 2012. Uh, and then okay. I went to school, I went to school in the first year um, was in the fall of 2012. So I was planting before I was in school. So how did you hear about tree planting then? Like in terms of getting into it? It was just my mom's friend had a daughter named Aretha who planted a couple of years with Brinkman and said she loved it. It was like the experience. and It was a really great time. And so I was like, I was just game. I just didn't want to be in the same spot, you know, kind of in the same area. She had worked for Brinkman in Northern Ontario. And then a friend of mine's older brother's girlfriend was working at Haveman's. And it was just like, it was the, one of the two companies I applied to, which was Brinkman at eight cents and Haveman at nine cents. So Haveman seemed like a fucking money factory. Mm. So that's, that's what, that was the choice, you know, like 
the 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 options of range or even having like uh, conversations about planting like we do now and like knowing a bit more about the industry or what that looks like or um how much better the conditions can be out west and how much more of a i think i would say matured job it is out west versus ontario those those conversations just weren't even present you know mm. And so I'm curious, yeah, because of course this was like sort of a friend of a friend, kind of passing it along. Um, and obviously, yeah, you got some used gear, so you maybe had a bit of like perceptions, perhaps, of what it was like. So, like, you know, did you know much about like what you what you were getting into, and how how did that go? <laughs> like when you showed up, you know? Oh my God. Okay. So I uh, <laughs> my my. Yeah, I mean, I'll put it this way. Like, I felt I had all the pieces, right? Like, I had done a, a lot of mountain bike racing, so I was used to being in the dirt. I was used to kind of, like, I felt, I'll put it this way. Here's the things that I felt. When you I felt outdoorsy. I felt outdoorsy. <laughs> I felt like I had, um, I felt like I had a sense of willpower. I felt like I had a sense of work diligence, despite, like, really only ever being in school and, like, working mm. at a bike, uh, bike shop in Ajax. I felt like I had all these things, like, I checked all the boxes and, you know, had all this going on. And, you know, I kind of, I didn't beef it up in the interview. I was honest. I was like, I ride my bike a ton, so that should help. And I think it did, but like, I just didn't quite understand diligence in the sense of like doing my job correctly. So I replanted a lot. Mm. I got bitten by bugs a lot. And of course, when you're 18, you're a dude, you got to be the toughest person in the world. So I was just like, and didn't like, you know, thinking that I could just like handle kind of the minor, oh, I'm just going to, okay, on paper, you're like black flies are just going to annoy me, but you don't understand that you could like get picked up and carried away by them if you're not careful. So those, again, everything on paper makes sense. Like the conditions are going to be difficult, but once you're actively in that environment, you're present to it. It's a lot more exhaustive. On my second day, I wanted to quit so bad. My first day, I think I planted 300 and something trees at nine cents. So I made $27. Yeah, <laughs> I think I made three. Yeah, I planted 320 trees. And then my second day, someone, oh, second day, a crew boss grabbed a box for me and the trees weren't bundled. So I planted, I could only claim 150 just by planting like, 300 and something so I think that was my lowest day planting was I planted 150 trees at nine cents my second Damn. day yeah I was not vibing for sure that's rough <laughs> I was not vibing so um yeah and I just didn't care like I was really in my head I really struggled with the aloneness of planting was very intense for me I remember mm. that being really intense and that was a space that I felt comfortable so it was a huge culture shock um, you know, I'd slept in a tent mountain bike racing like when I was doing 24-hour races but I've never like you know you come back home your tents collapse and everything's wet like obviously you have to handle the situations that you're put in and i think that's the how the camaraderie of planting gets birthed in uh, for a lot of first and second year planters um and yeah the first i was completely disinterested and disoriented my first year i'd say so again you you understand the conditions on paper but actively being present in them is completely different yeah i'm curious too because of course you said you sort of quit a week early which is sort of your motivation for going back the next year but uh, it's interesting that you mention the alone time being so hard for you because that, that's usually something that actually a lot of people really enjoy about it. I mean, I know I do. So, you know, what what was your decision to like keep going with planting and how did you combat that? Like, how did that evolve for you? I think that it just like, planting was the first time that I can safely say that I was bad at something and it bugged me. Like, it's one thing to just be bad at something, you pick it up and you're like, okay, I'm just not good at this. Like, you know, my partner's big into hula hooping. I can't fucking hula hoop. Can't freaking hula hoop, sorry. And- Oh, you can swear on here, it's cool. Oh, okay, cool, thank you. I would be screwed otherwise. So I can't hula hoop and I just have like a complete disinterest in, in you know, necessarily picking it up. Or I might, you know, kind of gravitate towards it slowly, but like planting, I felt I had all of the tools to be good at this, that I, I felt <laughs> that I was all these things that I had titled myself, like hardworking, diligent, patient. Um, I could spend time on my own, on my own and in my head and, 
I just completely folded and I was really, really frustrated about that. So yeah, just kind of like acknowledging that and being like, okay, this is a place where I feel like I should be all of these things. And I think it was just like an act of self-determination to recognize that challenge. Like, I know that sounds self-righteous, but that's honestly what it felt like was this is like a space in an area where I need to improve. And I think it crafts me better as a person and I'm much more driven and I you know, could feel good about myself if I kept doing that. So in a lot of ways, it was kind of just a leap of faith to continue. And after my second year, um, that's when a lot of things started showing up. I started hitting bigger numbers. I started making like pretty good money, even for like a 19 year old, even, and then good money even for Ontario. So it was very hard to, yeah, it was like that, that felt really good. That felt like a success in itself. And so you kind of got roped in after that. Yeah. And then it was like, well, yeah. And then I dropped into school after my second year of planting because yeah, I just, I was like, and then I kind of discovered that my second year of planting was like, I really want to, even if it's just Thunder Bay, I want to be outside of like this little bubble that I crafted for myself after dropping out of school in 2012 and coming back and just kind of recognizing that I was making all these compromises and I really wanted to be able to go out and sort of explore and see the world. It's like, okay, well, I got to drop out of school for that. And I'm not motivated in school. Like I was, my marks were fine, but like, you're being a 19 year old kid. So you're drinking a bunch, you're partying a bunch. Um, I liked what I was studying. I, you know, there's still an itch there academically to go back or like to, to be involved with that for sure. In, in some forum, academic forum, but yeah, when you're, you know, 20, 21, I'm like, I want to see the world. So I dropped out and I worked for three months, which is wild to think about now. I worked for three months and I had some dollars in my bank and I was like, well, I'm going to go to California. So I bought a van in Victoria and I drove down to California and that's, that was, that was what wrote me in. And then I got hired with Roland when I was 21 by accident. And uh, yeah. And then that's what continues my seasons got extended. And then now it's just like, yeah, it's, it's a real full-time job. And so you mentioned this earlier, but uh, this will be your 10th season coming up. Yeah. Uh, so let's just talk about that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> let's acknowledge that it's been nearly a decade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's wild to think like a lot of my growth as a person has obviously been attributed to this job. And now it feels a lot more like work than it does a vocation because I'm living on the island. This doesn't feel like, you know, thousands of kilometers away from home. There's no like big travel that I used to do. I don't live in a car anymore. It's a bit more structured. I understand, I think, the job a little bit better. Um, I understand the industry a little bit better, obviously, than I did when I was 21 and showed up to the coast in like January 2015 or whatever. So this is... Yeah, 10 years is, it's weird to reflect on, I think, to be like, well, I've been doing something for 10 years. But also, like, the totality of it makes sense. You get to see a lot of places up and down the inlet. I've seen a lot more of the island than a lot of other people have that live here, like, especially because Vic is such a bubble. Um, yeah, it's facilitated a ton of things. Like, it's facilitated travel for me for a couple of years, living in a van in California for a couple of winters. Um, yeah, it's, it's just facilitated life. So it's, pretty easy to see that continue in the future for sure I feel pretty fortunate actually despite it being 10 years yeah it's mind-blowing to me that people uh, who live on the island have like never been north of Campbell River and like have spent the whole their whole life on the island and don't even the amount of people who don't know where Holberg is is boggling to me yeah Um, I always have to say west of Port Hardy every time yeah yeah that's such a beautiful world up around there and then all these tucked away spots uh so yeah, so how do you feel like, you know, with this coming up on a decade as well? Like like how do you feel about yeah, like this is, you know, this has kind of been who I am for the last decade and that this will be your tenth season. Like how how does that feel for you now? Um, sort of that that's that's a thing. I think like at its core and where the like the conversation started and where planting started for me, it's very nice to be like, okay, this is something that 
you know, like I've gone into, that's been very difficult for me. And like, I feel like I've succeeded at that and grown with the challenge presented to me and actively been able to acknowledge that um, and continue working in that environment. And again, like, like I say, now it feels a little bit more like work. I've been working for the same company for five years. The, the sense of adventure and exploration is still there. And we go to inlets, like, or you go and like do the fun heli work like that. There's a sense of adventure, I think, that I was drawn to the job in the first place while I dropped out of school. And that that continues. It's just not like that all the time. Sometimes it's just, you know, you wake up and you drive in the truck or like now I tell people to hop out of the truck and, you know, you cut people in somewhere. So I think the adventure in some ways is lost. But there's little pockets of it where you're like, dang, that was really cool. Like this fall was really tough, but we did some really fun work on like the other side of um, I think it's an inlet. It's a gold river there. Yeah. And just like boating to work. I'm like, oh, you know, you kind of have to. Because the activities become so mundane at year 10, I'm hopping in a boat. Or oh, so I guess I'm just in a helicopter again. Like you forget when you explain that to other people outside of planting that like, that's really cool. And like when you go to Night Inlet or when you go to like Stafford Logging Camp and you're flying the float plane, like you people pay thousands of dollars for that. So like there is a certain, um, yeah, a certain adventurous element to it just by, its, by the job structure. And I think that when you do that long enough, you can forget that that is active and present in everyday life for a planter so you just kind of like for me i have to consciously remember that like i have to sit on the back of the boat sometimes as we're commuting and being like this is a nice view take it in you don't have to yeah. take maybe you take a photo or not but like you have to be an active participant in it now because it's not as mind-boggling as it was like when i was in ontario i'd never seen mountains it didn't like blow me away you know which is kind of the counterpoint is like i don't i'm not anxious for a work day like you would be when you were like 20 or 21 and you thought that like you know, the day is going to be so bad because you're going to be so wet, but now you've done that 500 times and you're like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't phase me. You know what I mean? Which is nice because you can focus on other things, be more attentive to your job in other ways. So let's just touch briefly as well on your accidental hiring on the coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, because I'm, I'm curious, you know, you're, you're a bit of an anomaly there with just like, coming on the coast so early on and like how do you feel like that has like differed or changed just your planting career as well um you know doing that shift and kind of and really being like mostly a coastal planter now because yeah. of it like when you join the coast um i mean well the whole incident to me is pretty funny and roland brings it up every time and you know i get a laugh out of it because I, I still think it's funny um yeah essentially for the background for people that are listening um roland hired me uh not knowing I was as old as I was because I guess I sounded old on the phone and I was open and honest that like I planted two years in Ontario and one year in BC in Kamloops and Kelowna. And then I did a summer in Grand Prairie. So I had some experience and yeah, I had just come back from California. I had no money. I was in Ontario. I had like yeah, 500 bucks. I think my bank and no credit card. I was like, well, I need a job and I know coastal work exists. And a friend of mine as a joke was like, yo, bivouac, like they, they work in January. And I'm like, those are crazy people. How do you work in January? I better, I better, better <laughs> apply for this job. It was like December. It was around Christmas. And like Roland laughs all the time. He's like, he called me up on fucking Christmas and I hired you anyway. But he thought I was old that I was. I told him I had three years of planting experience. And I, you know, said some of the same things I, I did here. Like I find it to be a vocation. I want to get better at the job. It's a space that motivates me. Like, you know, if I, if given that opportunity, like I'm going to be a yes man, I'm going to continue to, to want to improve in this facet of the job. And like, I, I do see it as like a skilled trade that I'd like to improve at. So so I drove all the way out there, um, 
yeah, I was there for two shifts. I hated my life. I didn't have, I didn't even know what polypro meant. I had like, I think I had a winter, I had a Columbia winter jacket with no. Oh, yo, I had one of those my first season on the coast too. (laughs) I didn't have like, I had like pants, like I had shorts and like no tights and yeah, I, I had the big blue corks with no insole. Like I wear the I wear the blue lightnings now, but I didn't have an insole at the time. And yeah, and then I remember just like just getting hammered on the fucking boatel on the edge of the earth and this little like bulbous avioli of Vancouver <laughs> Island and coming back home and like just like dogging it. Like I was I was so pissed off my first couple of days and then you know, second shift in or whatever, so six days of work and rolling. We were just chatting sports and stuff because I think one of the guys was watching the hockey game and like yeah you know i'm from here like from peterborough it's like wait how old are you you're, you're a calgary flames fan uh, a baltimore ravens fan like how, how do those intersect i'm like well i you know i like this in high school I like this in high school and i guess that he picked up or call correctly picked up that it, i made it sound recent he was like well how old are you man i'm like well i'm gonna be i'm 21 right now and i'm gonna be 22 in may and he's like why the fuck did i hire you and i'm like i don't know but i'm here and i know he was asking the same question when he was looking at my numbers so um so I just had a you know kind of a young spitfuck attitude with it and like I'm you know okay I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna just be here I'm gonna stay and work the extra time whenever I can I'm gonna take the extra work whenever I can I'm gonna have a good attitude and that's how I'm gonna get hired so or that's how I'm gonna stay here rather now that I'm hired so I always laugh I'm like oh there's nowhere else I can go Roland I don't I can't even have enough money to insure my van so it's gonna have to sit in the Holbrook parking lot and you better you better not fucking fire me I need to so stop. that's how you roped him in you were super broke yeah, I was so broke. Like, I, th- I remember showing up to, I showed up to the meeting that we had. This is when we still had it in the uh, San Joe um, school before we moved to the gym there in Holbrook. And, and I remember him like, you're going to have to cook for yourself and being like, shit. And I remember the number, it was 1386 I had in my bank. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have like anything, anything. And he was like, yeah, you're going to have to cook for yourself. We have 70 days of work. And at the time I had only ever worked like 52 days. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have 70 days in before June. That's insane. So, yeah, and that's that's what happened. So I remember I had to ask him for a $200 advance, and I had a, a lot of rice and beans, a lot of hummus sandwiches to, to get the coastal career starting. I had some protein shake and some bananas, too, so we made her. It was all right. And, uh, you know, I'm curious as well, like, having, yeah, taken a big leap, because, you know, as I've talked about recently, too, in my coastal episode of, like, yeah, it is an investment, like, whether people realize that or not, you know, to come to come all the way out here, yeah, to buy your own food, make your own food, everything's expensive and the driving and whatnot. And then and it's like, okay, so you're here. Um, it's raining sideways. You have a raincoat that like lasts literally like a minute and a half. Um, <laughs> and, you know, of course, like I know the contract that you would start on. And I remember being overwhelmed by it myself as, as a fifth year um, with just like, yeah, like, you know, multi-species furting, like really microsite specific. It's like a lot to think about at once. And so, you know, how, how was all of that for you, especially only having had one BC season in areas that really weren't like, you know, that, that, yeah, well, all of, all of the (laughs) things basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe speaks to my personality, but the first thing that I thought was like, I can handle this. I should be able to do this. I've had land that bad. Mm. which I was wrong about. Like, you go yes, back to the same zone later on. But I remember, like, you, you remember the land being that intense, though, when it's, like, slashy. You're like, oh, my God, this is so slashy, and it's, like, stuff at your ankles, you know? Like, at the time, <laughs> relative to your experience, you're like, this is so intense. This yeah. is super bad. So um, just for that anecdote, we were talking about multiple species. like, uh, And so I show up. 
I'm sharing a cache. I have like a little mini bubble and I'm sharing a cache with a very strong planter, like my old Brinkman head. And um, I don't even know what the species are that I'm looking at. Like we're planting hemlock. It was hemlock, balsam, red cedar oh on the God. roadside. Um, we didn't have fir, but we had something else. Spruce. Yeah. So I had to put spruce in a certain place. So I had That's five not species too bad total. to start. That's not too bad. I, I have five species total, but one of them was just roadside. So four species total. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the Botel 900. You can like see the ocean, which is gorgeous, but it's like raining sideways. I think it's February 8th or 9th. And then, uh, yeah, so this guy was like trying to explain it, but like he's a planter. So he's slamming trees in his bag as he's talking to me and he's not finishing a sentence. And he's like, well, the hemlock lights the tree. And then, and he's not finishing, a, he's not finishing his words. Like, I, like there's no intelligent communication that's, that's occurring. And, and I remember him going to clip up his bags and he didn't have shoulder straps. And he's kind of like doing this like forward motion to really try and get his bags tight. And then he screams, oh, I got fat! And he runs into the piece. That's all, and that was it. That was, my, that was my experience with coastal planting. Like, first bag up, just getting rained on. And yeah, it's, I mean, I think that to what I was also saying with, like, it being a vocation is uh, that was what kept me on the coast and what kept me doing it was like, okay, this is something, like, the money is cool and it is great and I need a job. But, like, I want to get better at this. This is a place for self-improvement. This is, this is a space where that needs to happen. It's a physical space as much as it is a mental space for me. So... I'm going to stay here and I'm going to continue to, the, to do that. And it felt really rewarding finishing my first season and starting to make um, the money that I would be, you know, kind of in the interior, some of the best money I've made planting at the time consistently and doing it in really, you know, really gorgeous spaces and really being able to enjoy that as, as a person who wanted that adventure and sought that out, it really checked that box and that really scratched the edge more than planting in the interior. I think did it more. Sorry. I didn't articulate that well. It's coastal planting scratched the edge of adventure in ways that the interior I felt could not. And I still kind of feel that way. Like I'm not super motivated to go to Quinell, even if the money's good. Like that doesn't, it just doesn't pop off the sheet for me. You know, like chilling in the FBI is not like it, it's, I don't know. I don't feel like super stoked on doing my job. Money's good, but it feels like a job. You know, like I articulated, you just, you show up, you cut people in, you do your thing, have a couple laughs, but. Um, you don't love ripping around in the side by side? No, the ripping around the side by side is pretty fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I do. Uh, or yeah, or having to <laughs> having to get it stuck out of mud is pretty fun for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I actually had a talking to from the boss. He was like, I don't know, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you can drive that fast on the side by side anymore. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> here. You got it, big R. You got it. Yeah, but I don't know. Like that's those are the, those are the days I think that I reminisce about planting the most is the feeling of of having a, a successful story with it or like being able to go out and continue to do the coast. And so when you're you know kind of my point of reference has always been the coast because that's where I have spent the most amount of time and coastal money, which is you know it's been good with rolling, but I know industry wide it's started to decrease um, in most most places, not all. Um, so it's kind of been frustrating to be like, oh, this thing I really enjoy, like getting to those remote areas is not possible because the bids are just. Uh, atrocious like there's no other way to say it they're just not good so yeah yeah no that's uh you know stay tuned everyone because that's gonna be a bit of a future episode for sure the state of the coast but um <laughs> yeah well let's keep moving along here so sure. how has tree planting changed or impacted your life i think it's been my entire adult life like that's not an exaggeration because most of the like, yeah, I would consider it, like, both financially, my backbone, and, like, yeah, mentally a backbone. Like, okay, I can do this. I can do anything. Um, or at the very least, I can conquer certain challenges. So, yeah, I mean, financially, it's what my life has revolved around. I've had pretty been pretty fortunate to just, like, plant and then travel afterwards up until, like, 2016 or 2017. And even still, like, it's what one of the reasons why I ended up moving out west uh, permanently. So, 
to say I think that it's impacted me would be pretty fair. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it's been my adult life because it has. Like I've worked five to six months on the coast or in the interior, like doing those long seasons for, yeah, five years now. And so I like to ask this next set of questions uh, and also encourage you not to overthink it because okay. um, it's a classic overthinking question. Uh, what is your favorite tree planting memory? Anything to do with my first year on the coast, specifically watching <laughs> Buddy, specifically watching Buddy yell at himself for getting fat. And, and I mean, it looked like he was sprinting up a creek line, you know, relative to your first day, like planting. Um, I think that uh, my first year I had a good moment where I was having a really tough day. It was raining outside. It was, you know, 15 degrees. But at the time it felt, you know, just super exhaustive. And as a lot of planters know, you're having a really tough day. You're really in your head all day, or that's where I struggled. And you're running around in Ontario planting nine centuries. And I just remember, like, for me, it was, it's even now, it's still job focus, job focus, job focus. Don't necessarily look up unless you're, you have to explicitly instruct myself to. So we finished the day and the rain kind of stopped and chilled out. And then my friend Alyssa, who I think she's out of planting now, um, we were partner planting. And we're like, oh, we should check this thing out at the back of a piece. And it was this really nice swamp. Swamps get a bad rap in Ontario, but I think they're gorgeous. And it was a man's wash. And Ooh. yeah, absolutely. And it was just this super nice zone. Like the, the sun kind of like broke through these clouds and you could see where like the rain was happening on the other side of the swamp. So it was literally just finished. Rain was coming through. Swamp, like the, the long grass is kind of like blowing in the breeze. Swamp was super nice. The water was super still despite it raining over on the other side. And I was like, ah, this is enjoyable. Like these are the spaces that I get to go to. And that, and again, it was, it was an explicit like move. Like I had to be like, focus on this. Don't focus on how terrible it is. And having that agency and control over, I think over my emotions and my mental state was nice. I mean, that was like one bright spot throughout a, a very terrible year of six and ones and 12 hour days. And yeah, it was like, oh, okay. And so you start seeking moments out like that. And I think that that's been the drive inside of planting and outside of planting, seeking more like sublime euphoric moments like that if that's how you want to call them you know that's how you want to tell them yeah no i don't think i've ever heard anyone say swamp and nice in the same sentence so, <laughs> so that yeah. was lovely yeah no thank you all right so on that you know note let's uh let's talk about your worst planting memory that same first season uh it's got to be the first season I think just any time that I had to replant and just hate my life, like even as a foreman, I, I really, 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 really hate telling people to replant. Like mm -hmm. I hate the feeling of taking money out of your pocket, especially when you're an adult and like, it's just like a common mistake or like you understand that people are making errors. Um, it's sometimes often it's from a lapse of judgment or like a, a lapse of attentiveness, I should say, but you, you have to, you know, have to hold people accountable for what they're doing because ultimately the contract is people have to contribute. Um, we have to understand this is, as like a holistic experience when you're planting, it's not just your piece, it's an entire block. But yeah, my first year just having to replant being like, I'm terrible at this and just being so upset myself and nearly in tears. And I think that's the, like the perfectionist side of myself that um, can be put at bay with planting, but does eat at me and did eat at me in my first year. And that's what made that mental space uncomfortable was how am I continuing to make these mistakes? And I look back on it now, it's like, well, it's because you're 18 and you didn't give a shit and you didn't put enough work in, like just so you've like you didn't care enough. And that clicked my second year planting and I stopped having to replant. I started just caring. Like it's just starting to figure out the job instead of hating the job. And yeah, my first year, just anytime that I had to replant, those would be the worst memories easily. 
And so, you know, a bit of a loaded question, of course, but uh, how long are you planning to plant into the future? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I think that to flesh out that question properly, um, as it sits right now, there's no decided end date. Like, now that I've been doing the Foreman thing, I'm like, holy shit, I could do this for a lot longer than I, than I could. My body's been feeling really good, which, um, you know, we've alluded to before the interview as like a discussion topic because I have had injuries. And yeah, I, I don't think that there's necessarily an end date. I would like to add planting to something. You know what I mean? It's become the dominant fixture in my life for 10 years. And I would love to add that with something else because it's the only lens that I see things through now, which I think is limiting because planting has always been the financial backbone for what I wanted to do outside of planting. And it's been 10 years and I would like to do something outside of planting by which planting is that financial backbone or is that, um, sorry, it's like uh, not just financial backbone, but sense of self-worth. Okay. So you have the self-worth the planting's given you. How do you apply that to something out of planting? So for me, it was travel or going a lot of other places and uh, that just hasn't happened and probably won't happen for a little while. So yeah, I, I think that, I think I can continue to plant, but it has to be paired with something else. Yeah. yeah. So there's no end to your, to your initial question. I don't find there to be uh, an end date for me just yet. And so, you know, this is kind of a nice segue to even talking about, yeah, like switching over to management and formatting now. And of course I know having from, you know, from working with you and knowing you and whatnot, like you've struggled with some injuries over the years, you know, very common for many people, but for you, especially, you know, I know that you like debated, whether or not you could even continue for a little bit just with like how bad uh, your back injury was. So let's just, let's talk a little bit about that now. Sure. So essentially what had happened was my first five, first five years planting. Yeah. I had worked um, with the Ergo shovel I mentioned before. So it was one of the ergonomic handles and it didn't allow you to learn how to plant Ambi. And because everything was like speed oriented in my first couple of years and you're trying to hit those like three K two to three K numbers um, in nine cents, your, you start to make bad habits with your body. And essentially what had happened, this is a couple of years now, so to my understanding is that I had the QL, so just it's a muscle that sits um, kind of like above your glute and it's your lower back and moves towards the paraspinal muscles and slightly up your back. I had essentially exhausted that from really bad pivoting. I would asymmetrically bend and I would sort of put my shovel underneath me and asymmetrically bend around the shovel while putting the tree in with the left hand. So my left shoulder would essentially raise and it would cause my right hip to shift in. And I would lean forward, almost crossing my left shoulder over my body center to put the tree in as the right was lower. And it sounds, you know, on paper, it sounds really easy to correct that. But as someone who's planted 450,000 trees or 500,000 trees or 550,000 trees that way, it's not that easy to correct. So um, I essentially had exhausted it and injured it just by planting that way uh, a ton and also I was working on heli blocks in Stafford at the time and I was using my shovel as a like a cane and you've probably done that I'm sure when you're balancing on larger bits of slash especially if it's on a steeper slope and you want to be able to work if you had take a bad line you want to be able to work vertically down so you're balancing on your shovel to hop down that slash and I was just kind of like bending and twisting that way a ton and essentially I think I just exhausted that muscle and I started having severe muscle imbalances in <laughs> my glutes so one glute became weaker than the other because I was bending around the hips in a certain way. So yeah, so I had to take some time off. Um, luckily, fortunately, the contract was just finished. I think I missed one day and then I worked through the rest of it. And then I was going to do an additional contract. I tried to the first day and then I was in too much pain. It felt like, yeah, just pins and needles up the back. And like, as any planter would know, 
usually it's like, oh, you know, your, your basic assumption is if you've been doing this long enough, is I can work through it. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I got out there and I was like, yeah, I need to let myself know that this is not good. And then I was, yeah, I was unable to bend over. It took me 20 minutes to put on my tights the next morning. And I was like, I can't. I can't work. Like I couldn't bend over to touch my feet. And that, you only get a couple of those, in my opinion. So that's really, really scary. And uh, so that was the end of the summer of 2016. And then uh, six to eight week recovery period. And I was like stretching and I was bouncing around at the time. So I think I could have given it a little bit more care, to be honest with you. Um, but I was like, okay, going back to the fall again, kind of another challenge has presented itself. We go back for the fall. I'm going to try planting with the staff shovel. And I actually got pretty good with it. I only used it for about 60 or 70 days, the fall and then the, the next spring, um, because I wanted to be able to stand up vertically instead of being slightly bent over in a crouch position while I was planting. Um, so yeah, and that's what I, I, how I learned to go ambi was I used the staff shovel weight with my left hand to sort of hit the ground. Because it's a longer object, I felt that it would be a little bit easier to physically put in the ground than trying to use a left-handed um, D-handle shovel. And so that was how I sort of got good with it with my left hand and tried to fix my asymmetrical bending. I'd say it's like 40 to 50% improved. There's still times where I can get into bad habits with it and I have to be conscious of it. And now that I've gone back to the D-handle, um, yeah, just exercising, stretching, knowing that that's a soft spot and going to the gym a bunch to do any sort of workouts that are going to balance my body. So do any like leg exercises, like even squats or just leg press stuff where um, those glutes are being worked specifically and in tandem. And yeah, I think it's become like a major focus in my adult life because our jobs are so body dependent that you have to be mature about it if you want to continue to do it. You have to be on top of your game in the off season, I think anyway. You have to be in motion constantly. You can't let your body sort of calcify. And yeah, that was my move. Staff shovel, teach myself how to be ambi. And then my staff shovel got stolen and I needed a, a D handle to work with one day. So I just learned how to do ambi. And then I'd say after about a hundred days, I got pretty fast with it. And now it's, yeah, it's ambi every day. Both sides unbundled, trees go in. So do you feel like a lot of uh, your injury kind of came from that? Because, you know, this is really interesting. Like you used to always see the angled handles like that. Like yeah. when I first started planting, my foreman, even when we like modified my shovel at the beginning of the season, he even offset my handle. And I actually ended up like changing it back because I didn't like it. So maybe that was like great foreshadowing on my part or something because mm -hmm. I see it less often nowadays. And, and yeah, I think it has it can create these kinds of issues. Like, I'm curious if you think like that's where it kind of came from, from you was the actual like angle of the handle mm -hmm. or if it was even just like the way that you were doing things. So yeah, for, for reference, like I didn't have necessarily the twist, but I had the ergonomic handle. So rather than when the D handle is flat, you saw them a lot more. Oh, it was like the angled handle. Ago. It was yeah, basically yeah, yeah. the angled shovel. So you could only yeah. use it with one hand. Now the, sh the, the handle itself and the spade were square to your point, like the, the handle where the handle would flatten out. That's the same space as the shovel blade, or sorry, the same angle as the shovel blade wasn't tw uh, twisted. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would encourage anyone, like I learned it after five years and 500 something thousand trees, like you can learn how to go ambi. If you have, you can use one shovel, have it shortened to the length that you want, keep the D handle in the same angle as the blade and just, yeah, learn how to switch, learn how to open your holes in a variety and close your holes in a variety of different ways. And yeah, you can get it done for sure. I'm curious too, like if in your years you've run into other people with like a similar issue as you. Um, I don't think explicitly, but I imagine that a lot of people, whenever you have, it's asymmetrical bending, you know, I never really focused on it or I was just kind of being stubborn about it or planters get into habits 
and you continue to do that habit because it's what's most effective. Mm -hmm. But those habits, while effective to make money, may not have the same longevity as something that's a little bit more calculated or has an interest in um, sustaining your health long term. And when you're 18 to 23, as I was at the time when I got injured 23, you're invincible. And I remember being like 21 or 20, sorry, 22 or 23 was about the time where I was like, mm, I should really kind of manage my body. But there was no like practical necessity for that happening until I injured myself. So I'd really recommend that to people, anyone, especially starting planting or in your second year, and you think that this is the only way that I can do it. Categorically, I, I completely disagree. Like the other thing too is you, if you learn how to go Ambi, the really nice part is if you injure your right arm or you get tendonitis on one side, you can just do the whole thing left-handed. And I've had that. Like I went from working on the coast in the rain to going and planting like concrete burn blocks. And oh, I got a little bit of tennis elbow on one side. I'll just flip my hand over and then just rip along with the other hand. Or you can be like me at the beginning of this season and still be the same 27, 27 year old and uh, have both your wrists taped up. I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, uh, that works great until you've got tendo on both hands. hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you work really gingerly. Be really happy to be both. You know, what had actually happened was I was using a, a friend of mine's bags. Um, the reason that I had tendonitis in my left hand to start the season was I was using my friend's bags and I would rip and kind of twist my, the, sorry, the flagger would come out of the backpack. It would go through the loop on the, uh, that is near your left shoulder strap. It would come all the way out. You'd hold it in your hand. You'd rip it with your right hand so that the piece of flagger would be in your left. But when I did that, I slightly twisted my left hand well, if you're looking at your hand flat, you twisted it left, like twisted the wrist itself, sorry. So when I was constantly twisting the wrist for whatever it was, 2,500 trees, that's what caused the damage in my left, mm. in my left wrist, or what exhausted and caused tendonitis there. So yeah, and then, and then it, it started peaking up all over, all, all over again and over again <laughs> yeah. uh, in the season. And there were times where I was pushing it where I was like, I really want the tree to go on the ground right there and just being stubborn more than anything else. And yeah, I have no pain right now and I would continue to do ambi for sure. But yeah, just don't blast, don't blast your trees through rocks, kids. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so in terms of the switch to ambient kind of, you know, really working to fix that um, imbalance within your body, like how is your back now, you know, kind of, this is like sort of four years down the line since your initial mm -hmm. injury. So like, yeah. how is it now? I think that it's, I've gone to the gym now, like a little bit more religiously from summer 2019. And focus more on like building muscle in the off season to keep things balanced for when I go back to work. It, I would openly say that I still fall into the same bad habits I did before. However, they're much more minimized because I'm being proactive by going to the gym. Um, I'm stretching and loosening when I can, and I'm planting ambidextrous. So if we understand the 500,000 trees that I planted with my right hand as being bad habit trees, I have less of those bad habit trees when I'm using my left and my right hand. Do you understand what I mean? Am I articulating that well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So like essentially I cut any damage that I'm doing, we'll say of our arbitrary figures in half. And then, yeah, so you're doing like 50% less damage. And then I ended up moving to management because that's where I found the, that's where I wanted the future in the job for me to be. And I knew that I was going to be working with good people, knew the contract, all the things. So um, that was also a big boon. And now, you know, after 90 days, it still feels really good. 90 days in the spring, the fall, I was planting the whole time and, back was a little bit more tired but it like it, these things don't compound these sorry these planting injuries or planting exhaustion doesn't compound in the same way that it did when i wasn't going to the gym when i wasn't stretching um and when i was using my right hand the whole time so i'd say my back it, the idea that things can heal 100 percent, i think would be unfair 
you have to, not necessarily just about the healing process, but getting rid of those bad habit tendencies that show up or acknowledging them and trying to be as conscious as you can. Because we both know that when you're planting, sometimes you'll do things unconsciously because you've done it literally over a million times. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, it's, it's much more of a mental process to be conscious about how your body works and being very present to what your body uh, is doing and just being conscious of that more than anything else because it's not going to heal 100%, but you can manage it very well. And like, am I in any great pain or distress? No, which is good to say because I didn't think that would be the case four years ago. Yeah, did you ever think at some point um, with the injury when, when it was first coming on and you were really struggling with it, did you ever think that you were going to have to like stop planting? Yeah. Yeah, I was really terrified, to be honest with you. Like when you're unable to touch your toes for whatever it is, like, you know, you're 23 and you can't touch your toes. That's really scary. Full stop. Like, and I have a lot of sympathy because we actually had to deal with someone who was injured um, this spring. And, you know, you just, it's really scary when that's your main source of income. And we understand planting is like not only a source of income, but like you have to be physically prepared to do it. Oftentimes, this is what you framed your season around or framed your year around. You know, you obviously want to go travel in the off season or like, you know, some people want to put down payments on something or have to pay off something um, or just, you know, need the money because it's a job. And that can very easily deteriorate and go away from you. And that was sort of when that back injury happened in 2016, I was like, okay, I need to think about uh, alternatives. I need to think about going into the crew bossing or I need to think about other bush work. And I would say that like there is a certain amount of success to being able to like, I can go back. Like I planted all of 2018, which is 120 days. I planted all of 2019, which was 70 days. And then 2020, I did um, planting and crew bossing, which was 110 days. So like I put in like 300 and something thousand trees since being injured. So there's a success to that. I've also now structured my job in a way where I don't plant as much. And that's, that's where the direction goes because I know how fragile the job can be and how fragile the money-making is. And it's really scary to even have that presented to you as something that can go away. Do you understand what I mean? Am I articulating yeah, that yeah, well? yeah. 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 So I'm curious as well too, you know, with that being a bit of a motivation for your shift into management, like, do you see yourself shifting away from planting altogether? You think at some point in terms of just like, you know, not being a planting crew boss and then just crew bossing and, you know, your planting being really minimal and maybe even just like for fun. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it would, I would think I would need to undergo a little bit more of a change because ultimately like planting formatting versus regular formatting, usually planting formatting is more lucrative. So, you know, it would be a bit of a money cut. Not that I mind. I think you have to like rewire your mind towards how you understand planting. And I think the nice part of it being a planting crew boss is you're still sympathetic to what goes on in a day. I can make better judgment calls. I can make, I can be understanding at what planters are going through so I can advocate for price bumps, which I think matters, it matters to me a lot. I think that connection allows you to stay grounded as well. Mm. So, and I think it's really good for, in my opinion, I think it's really good for planters when they're having a shitty day to know that somebody else is in the shit or not to toot my own horn, but it's been discussed with the other person that I work with that it's also important that I plant some of the worst ground, like that maybe on a block, like I shouldn't be getting the creamier stuff because I am a foreman and like there's a certain level of responsibility. And I know some foremen don't take that to heart. I completely disagree with them. Like, I think that it's not necessarily that your job needs to be a leader as a foreman, but you have to, like, if you have a certain financial bonus to being a foreman and you're in a certain zone, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's just helpful. Like, you can help out. You can contribute to a, plant, like, to a planter's day and make it better, or you can contribute to a bunch of people's day and make it better, or you can help them out in their, their ground um, or plant a shitty section of their ground just to help. 
And I think that that does a lot more. I think it, it's, it's a lot more galvanizing and binding to a crew when they can say, hey, my foreman is doing something that's difficult. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think any planter likes getting creamed out by their foreman. So no, I think that that's I think that's I think that's license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's reason to get screamed at for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Taking yeah, taking money out of people's hands for sure. Yeah, so. it really it definitely annoys me quite a bit. So yeah, that's completely reasonable. Yeah. So so let's talk about um, in terms of you know for people maybe who are like going through back injuries right now or or even yeah people getting into planting see a longer game whatever don't want to destroy their bodies like what kind of advice i guess we'll start first with what kind of advice you have for people who are currently struggling with back injuries who maybe are where you were like four years ago where they're yeah like really scared and they're just kind of you know don't see the light right now you know what advice would you have for them and then also what advice um you know in terms of like setting yourself up for success in terms of like back health so it's the first part of the question one thing that i didn't acknowledge um before is i think being patient matters a ton so if you're feeling anxious about something or you're currently injured being patient matters a ton you need to understand that while you may want to plant for next season or you're thinking only of next season or the end of the contract you need this body well beyond that contract you need that you do not get another one um like i can you know maybe buy a hip replacement but like you can't buy a new back yet so you need to understand your body as something that you don't necessarily want to com uh, compromise on you can compromise on a work season you can't compromise on your body also stay patient when you're going to see a physiotherapist or when you're going to see somebody else i say this I leave it up to a person's judgment, but for example, I went to a physiotherapist in multiple different cities and I ended up getting some IMS needling, which we have chatted about. Oh, and IMS I is went the to shit. A, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And essentially what it's helped done is like anytime that I get those bad habits that I've mentioned, and I can feel it in my body. My QL starts to tighten up. My left shoulder starts to lift. Um, it feels like when those needles are dropped that a reset button is hit and it's unreal. A planter that I worked with was like, Hey, check this out, check this out. So I went to a guy who was a hip and lower back specialist and that got sorted out. And to my initial point about staying patient, when you go to physiotherapists, um, they're phenomenal resources and they're great tools. Pick their brains for as much as you can come with as much information as you can and have an honest dialogue about what that looks like. And no different than a regular therapist as well. If you're going there and what they're saying doesn't they're obviously more knowledgeable on the subject than you are, to be, unless you're a physiotherapist yourself, but usually they're more knowledgeable on sports injuries than you are. That being said, if what they're saying doesn't motivate you or doesn't necessarily make sense in your exercises, you can always go see a different physio so that they can give you a more accurate plan of what that looks like. Because there's no, even from a physiotherapist standpoint, there's no one size fits all for injuries. There's like these descriptions are they need to be slightly subjective while having objective scientific information, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to like health matters subjectively. So when I went to this physiotherapist now in Victoria, I can set up a regimen and I was patient with other physiotherapists who were saying things that were important. And I went to them and I, they were great resources and tools, but I don't feel as healed or as properly managed um, as I do with the current person that I'm seeing in Victoria. And I actually went there enough and uh, this was kind of in the fall of 2018 and 19. I went there enough and got enough like needling done. He was honest. He was like, you can keep coming to me or you can go to the gym and you can sort this out yourself and then come back for me if you re-aggravate anything. So that was really confidence inspiring. And being around a physiotherapist that understands that as like someone that is interested in your health versus interested in your repeated visits mm -hmm. or setting up a program that feels far too lofty, all of that matters. So I think that 
going to see as many people that are educated on the subject matters because you're not going to get like there's no one size fits all for any injury. You're going to need a multitude of exercises and a, a bunch of time. Um, and yeah, I, that's if you are injured currently, just be patient. You need to be smart about your moves, do your exercises, and stay patient because you need the body for more than one season, like I said. And I don't remember the second half of your question. If you don't, oh yeah, second half is just for like sort of setting up for success, preventative measures. You know, especially for people who are yeah maybe just like a couple of years in or mm-hmm. like wanting a long game and just yeah. uh, you know don't want to be yeah wrecking their back. I think that there's a long game in planting. I think that you have to focus on stretching, um, which I don't I'll openly admit I could probably work on. Um, going to the gym helps a ton. Um, staying in shape in the off season. So you don't have this like massive steep hill to climb pun intended when your year starts also matters because you're going to, and planters who have this demand for themselves as most planters do, they're going to try and like work their way through physical pressures and they're not going to listen to their body sometimes. And that's where injuries happen. And you don't have to work through all of those physical pressures. If you stay in shape in the off season and staying in shape doesn't mean that you're maintaining a certain body fat percentage or that you're um stepping hitting the right number on the scale it means that you're still actively using your body in some manner you're playing basketball you're one of the oldest planters i know um on denman he just maintained a garden the whole time but maintaining a garden and being flexible and you know he had a little hoop that he had going on right so um yeah he, he was about it so it kept the hips loose and i mean that guy was planting until 61 so i think that there is a future in it but you have to stay patient you have to be smart and also if you want to keep doing it take time off and I understand that it's like a politically charged topic to want to be um, not working at some points or changing up work parameters. Um, but sometimes don't take that extra contract or just, just being able to do work constantly doesn't benefit you. There is diminishing returns after some time, you know? So I know some people that are like, you know, for example, they'll do the coast, you know, you have your February till April, they'll do the coast. They'll go through the summer. They'll go all the way through the summer. They'll do the fall again. And then they'll be like, they'll hunt for work somewhere else. They're like, oh, I know one guy would fly down to Australia and he would go plant there. And it's very useful. Like this is different because they were using a potty putty. But if you're going somewhere where you're slamming in a bunch of trees afterwards, there's no healing time. Like there's, you go, if you work there until January and then your season starts again in February, you've had three weeks off for a collective like summation of whatever it is 12 months planting or as an exaggeration 10 months planting so i think that being smart about that and understanding that like your body needs time to not just rest and relax because you would be working out or stretching but your body needs time to not be in the habitual motion of planting mm-hmm. whatever that is and i mean it has benefits to your mental health as well right so yeah and so um yeah, I'm just curious as well, like if you ever have, because of course you're doing the maintenance and you're, you're doing all the work. Do you, have you ever had uh, in these last kind of four years, any sort of flare ups? And if so, like, how have you dealt with them? Honestly, I've been really fortunate that I haven't had any flare ups in the sense where I'm like, oh shit, it's back. Like I've never had that. Um, I've had instances where I'm like, ooh, like, you know, QL starting to hurt a little bit. I, I mountain bike a lot. So if I'm in a bad position in the body there and I'm riding too tight, I'll feel it there. Um, and not to immediately dismiss the question. I just, I'm very fortunate that I haven't been in that space um, because of those preventative measures that I've been able to take. And I'm sure when that comes up, you need to rest and relax and take that time. So um, I think going to the gym has helped a bunch. Uh, I haven't done as much yoga and I've been limited with COVID to be able to go to yoga studios. There's some stuff that I've been watching on YouTube, which has been good. Um, The back roller and rolling out the IT bands helps a lot as well, because those are ones that I think planters forget about and that helps with knees and lower back. Um, but yeah, I think like personally dealing with flare-ups, it just, it hasn't been a space where I, I've needed anything. 
And let's just talk quickly too about um, like any, any tools that you use in terms of um, to just like help your back. Like, of course you said the stretching and stuff like that, but yeah, it's like, do you use like balls or foam rollers or any of that kind of stuff? Like what, what's sort of in your, in your kit that you have with you to, to help with any of that? Every season I bring up a foam roller, no matter what, as you've probably seen in my room. And I'm fortunate that I don't have to use it a ton right now. Um, so, uh, but I roll the IT bands frequently because when the IT band is tight, that's when my interior knee can start to collapse. That's when my interior, like on my right hip will start to collapse and my left side will start to raise, which has been the problem from using the shovel in my right hand. Um, so I'll use the back roller a fair bit. Uh, have, having one with a plastic core matters a lot. So I think they sell them at Costco or they did when I got mine, but it'll have a physical like hollowed out core. And the rigidity of that helps quite a bit. You don't have to roll your lower back nearly as much as your upper back or roll your lower back at all. Um, but sometimes just keeping the lower or sorry, keeping that foam roller there, um, just kind of sit the lower, lower back at the top of the hips, just keeping it there and just keeping it still will allow the hips to loosen up a little bit. Um, stretching the hips matters a lot. Uh, in terms of a toolkit, so I'll bring the yoga blocks that you've mentioned. Uh, I'll bring those for sure uh so that you can kind of align your spine but i also have a soft foam roller so i have one that isn't hollowed out with a plastic core it's just a regular soft foam roller the downside is if you hold a position too long in those foam rollers because they don't have the plastic they turn like oval shaped um so that you can they're not my favorite personally but they're good for soft tissue um, but aside from that that's a lot that i have and then i'll just go through basic yoga position so but basic yoga positions to make sure that the back is doing well so you got like downward dog and then cat cow is um is really good as well aside from that that's in terms of a toolkit that's pretty much it sometimes i'll use a lacrosse ball and um put it behind my back and so that i can get specific pressure on some paraspinal muscles but I, i've been really fortunate i haven't had to use it in a couple of years now sweet okay well just to wrap up here um i always like to end with this question uh what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who is considering going tree planting or has maybe already decided that they're going to be going tree planting for the first time this year? It's harder than you expect. And that's fine. That's, that's all. I think that like, just to in summation, it's harder than you expect and that's okay. Uh, you're going to meet a lot of people that are highly motivating and be around that and be patient with yourself the whole time. I know that I wasn't, I know that I have perfectionist tendencies and uh, a sense, a sense that I would like to improve as you've probably heard me mention a couple of times here. So if you're, interested and motivated you want to be around people i think that know how to laugh off a bad day you have to practice that that know how to keep everything at work and come back you know come back outside of work and find a good way to either if that's venting or just in some way decompress about the day let it stay on the block um and yeah i think have fun with it and do your job correctly as ridiculous as it sounds like there's no shortcuts there's no shortcuts to planting trees well fast or anything like that set up good habits, get your quality down, speed comes with fluidity and that comes in time. So, yeah. Sweet dude. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for the chat here and all the good tips for everybody out there to hopefully have healthy, happy backs. Yeah, they're pretty important.